We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. TickPick should be your first choice to buy basketball tickets because they save fans money by never charging any service fees, ever. TickPick is the exclusive ticketing partner for the Laker Film Room Podcast and Blue Wire Network. What do you think about the Laker team now? You follow the box scores of the games every day? Just the Lakers. You're kidding. That is really a compliment. I was pleased to see you smile at the top of our show because once the game starts, you have a game face. You don't smile much out there. I don't think you have to do things for money anymore. Correct. What's up, Laker fans? Welcome to the Laker Film Room Podcast, brought to you by the Blue Wire Podcast Network. I'm Pete, joined by Darius and Mike, and I'm so excited to talk Lakers basketball with you guys, no longer entirely in the theoretical. It was kind of a Twilight Zone game, right? Like, 12.30 games on Sundays are weird in the first place and then you add on top of that the first game of the preseason and then you add on top of that a lot of guys not playing ad only plays the first quarter but what was definitely real mike was we had fans in the building we had sixteen thousand, and you were there it was so good to see you on tv in your normal spot doing your your hit on the baseline man there was a sense of normalcy that i could only imagine was even more prominent in person we back man just being yeah. in the building, it was oh, it was great. It was great, and the the sixteen thousand honestly felt like a sellout. And I get that it's relative to the last season and a half and such, but it really felt like it. And fans, despite what you said, Pete, like the star power of guys not playing may have been a NBA record, like of an unprecedented nature, unless the Lakers and the Celtics played in the eighties uh, in an exhibition game and nobody played. <laughs> I mean, we're just talking Hall of Famers for days sitting on the bench in their various street clothes uh, and really only getting up a couple of times, uh, like when Dwight Howard got into that whole thing and James Harden, blah, blah. But it was great. And I think that the Lakers are going to feed off of that um, early in the season. It goes back to the conversation we've had about once they get started. And I think the guy that's going to bring that energy level to another degree is Russell Westbrook. And he didn't play. And you could kind of see him like I was watching him during timeouts. You know, he's got like, you know, when you're sitting in a yeah. meeting, you know, you know, let's say you haven't you're worked out in your chair. Yeah, you got, you're, you're so done the with the meeting. You're ready to go you're kind of tapping your foot a little bit. You know, then obviously you'd get up during the timeout and kind of like do a, do a couple of dance moves. LeBron at a certain point, as he always does when he doesn't play, goes up and grabs a basketball and starts to just take a couple shots uh, around the hoop during one of the timeouts. So. These guys are like they're getting ready. And I I almost I'm going to need to defer to you guys in some part. You probably watched the game three times at this point, Pete, on the, the finer basketball points, because I was just soaking in. 
the atmosphere and the fact that the season is back and also mind you thinking about rotation stuff and starting lineups up but but yeah that that was the whole that was the whole thing and, and Darius I don't know how much of that came across on the broadcast you know versus just kind of like the X's nose and what you were looking for there no there were some moments and there were some Malik Monk moments oh, yeah. that got the crowd ready right like they were ready for some action and for and it was so seamless right the way that it felt in the game when a player starts to feel it a little bit and and that feeling you catch from the tv and then what the crowd is giving that player back based off of their their performance and they were ready for like oh Malik Monk he came out firing and he hits a couple straight and it's just like oh you feel that wave starting to come from from the crowd I thought the same thing was true of a couple of Kendrick Nunn plays right and and just that vibe of okay we're settling in to well to this also Mike like um and I don't know if either of you saw this on social media. It, it must have been a fan who was courtside, but there was a little clip that got posted online of Russ walking out of the tunnel into the arena for the first time, right? And he's there in street clothes, and you hear some voices like like in the background, Brody, like we love you, right? And then he sort of surveys the whole arena right come coming out of that tunnel and he just says oh damn right and it's that sense of i'm here now like i'm a laker i'm i'm here at staples center my home build building in los angeles where i'm from and you just sort of saw him soaking it in for for a second and so you can only imagine what that's going to be like for him when he's actually rocking that numbers that number zero jersey right and he's going out there to play for the first time i totally get behind that energy of of soaking in the new season but also kind of shifting in your seat in the meeting uh and, and it's funny this morning um you know the game was played at 12 30 and i always talk about the melt the melts right and i do the the melt logs for the for the lakers amongst a few other things right but the the melts are like you know if you 30 to 45 minutes long and i will separate all of the clips it's basically a long highlight reel of the game and so i'm ready i like woke up at 4 30 this morning and i'm ready to go and i don't have the melt log yet you know and so like i'm i'm slacking josh who's my supervisor right like hey man what's going on we get these from spectrum right so maybe i should be slacking you mike seeing if uh, if we can talk to aj about this but i don't have my melt logs yet right and i'm like very <laughs> hey, irritated Darius, about hold on hold on hold on <laughs> we have our first darius displeasure scale of the season Okay. Um, and sh- by the way, shout out to Cole. Okay. Shout out to New Laker. Hey, shout out to Cole. Yes. New Laker yes. associate Cole, who brought up the DDS <laughs> um, at Media Day. So where? So Darius, Pete not getting the melt. Where does that rank on the scale? As a reminder, number one is flight delayed. Have to watch Laker playoff loss on phone. Number nine. Hold up. Hold up. Is kids brought home Halloween candy and it's all candy corn. So there's a lot in between there. <laughs> Yeah, am, am I on this now? Am I? Are we including things that make me irritated on this? No, no, 
No, nope. no. Okay. See, this is just my. Yeah. That's what I thought. Yeah, so yeah this, is, see, this is just my displeasure about Pete not getting what what he needs, and so yes. you can add like fifteen more things before <laughs> Pete is on there for me, right? Well, he all can sit don't there. Care no, no, he, he, don't care. Here's all. my concept: what something stuff's going to happen. I'm going to get annoyed. Like for example, I was annoyed last night uh, because of the, the way that Utah was discussed in context with the Lakers, right? But oh, the displeasure God. scale, <laughs> the displeasure scale is still Darius's. It's just that. He can kind of see, you know, where like, oh, yeah, that's near the top of my uh, scale. That's near the bottom of it because we don't have time to do yes. three different displeasure scales. I floated the Pete pleasure scale. People seem to not. I mean, some people like that. It didn't seem to catch on to the same degree. Um, I know Darius I liked didn't it. like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah I was, he was a little uncomfortable about it. So anyway, Darius, so where for Pete not so, getting the melt uh, when he needs it? Yeah, that would probably be somewhere in the middle, especially if it's like. Pete's first day of school ready. That's right? what I'm saying, so, man. So he was, he had his outfit yeah. picked out. Hair parted. Right? He, you understand. He knew exactly what was go, going on. He was fresh and ready to go. And he's waiting there. Oh, and oh he, had some, he had some of his new Kobe's on? Yep. And, yep, yep. and he's like, mom, we got to get there. What's going on? Like my ride. C- come on. Let's get out the door. I'm ready. I'm ready. And she's like, mom. you know. Yeah, wait, wait, you, you know, I'm, I'm adding creamer to my coffee. Oh, wait, wait, let me catch this last commercial that's on TV. And you're like a commercial. I'm like, let's go. Like, <laughs> let's make it happen. Right. And so, so I can, I can sense the angst here that Pete is feeling. So, so I'm going to okay. translate that to my scale and probably put it, you, you know, Sixth or seventh is okay, it's, it's, it's definitely to, below below a handful of other things because you know you know the things are eventually coming so right six, it's gonna be resolved six is check engine light comes on and seven is forgot to take trash out and it's late so okay so right around right around there maybe a little bit above those but not not up as far as like got home pickup order is wrong yeah you know yeah. and definitely not someone microwaved fish. Right. So right. I, I, no. I appreciate that you I appreciate that you understand me and, and how yes. I tick. Yes. 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 So, yes, I would so love. So you're waiting for the logs to come. And mm-hmm. what's going through your head when oh, man, you're I'm thinking just, about this game? So I've rewatched the game. Like Mike said, I, I've rewatched it three times. And it's, you know, this game that's kind of, again, this Twilight Zone game where most of the guys aren't playing. It's 1230 on a Saturday on a Sunday. But I there's so much still to talk about, right? Like there's so many new guys. There's so many, even though our style of play is a little bit different. Uh, Mike, you mentioned the the starting lineup, right? Our starters were Nunn and THT, uh, DeAndre Jordan. Uh, help me out here. Anthony Davis. Anthony, oh, Anthony Davis and Kent Bazemore. Yep. And my thought is that that's a potential end of first quarter, end of third quarter lineup. In yesterday's game, AD was our only power forward, unless you count Cam Oliver, right? Because LeBron was out, Melo was out, Ariza was out. And so part of the point of the preseason is to is to put lineups on the floor that possibly have a chance of playing. And that lineup that we started with, I think, has a chance to play. And the reason that is, actually, that goes to a super interesting decision that's going to be made is... I've looked back at, over the last few seasons, and we've known this to be true with LeBron on the team. LeBron usually goes out of the game, checks out at the first dead ball after the six-minute mark in the first and third quarter. And we'll check out for a few minutes, then checks back in with like one or two minutes left in the first quarter and starts the second quarter. But let's focus on that first sub out at the six-minute mark. 
went back and researched this. The same is true with Russell Westbrook. Meanwhile, AD usually plays the whole first quarter, the whole third quarter. So the question is, do LeBron or Russ change that? Or do they, a lot of times superstar players, right? They like, like KD, for example, I believe, likes to play the whole first quarter. This is an important thing to him. And there's a reason, there's like a pace to the game for your really high-end star players. And if that's what LeBron and Russ have been doing for years, I actually do wonder, are we going to have lineups where both of them are off of the floor? So Mike, I'm, you may think that of, of that lineup in a totally different context from a, hey, this is, you know, DeAndre Jordan's going to start. He started this game, right? I, I view it more as a chance to play a lineup that could play together in that one quarter that we got from AD. But it points to a bigger and really interesting question about will LeBron and Russ be out of the game at the same time? Yeah, I, I like the way that you framed it, Pete, because I don't think it's an either or. I think that there, there are – this is experimentation mode. And it's not like, oh, DeAndre and Kent Bazemore started at the five and the two. So that means they're definitely starting game one of the regular season. It does not mean that. I would be surprised if we didn't see Wayne Ellington start one of these preseason games just to get a look at that. Right. Same. And then the coaches mm-hmm. are going to go through the tape more times than than we do. Uh, and then I think we're going to see certain uh, we're going to see an AD starting at the five lineup. Then we're going to see him paired with DeAndre again in a game maybe where they have LeBron and Russ. Uh, in there and so we're going to keep layering these things maybe if Malik Monk keeps playing like keeps shooting the way that he is maybe he gets in there for a start with the starter so I think that Darius to me the concept continues to be like Frank Vogel is pretty honest he's not going to tell you necessarily everything all the time but he'll tell you and he won't he won't just throw something out there to try to throw you off and his his concept every time I've asked him about the lineup is LeBron AD Russ and then we'll see which of these guys are playing off them the best and complimenting the best and complimenting and the way that this evolves across these six preseason games. And by game five, we'll try to have an idea of what that group is going to be for opening night. And it's again, it's much less about starting lineup than it is about units and rotations. And what Pete started with is 100%. how do we best uh, separate and utilize AD LeBron and Russ and how often do we want them playing with each other and in what the combinations are yeah there's so much meat on the bone here um and, and and so much to dissect right but Pete in getting back to your question about Russ and LeBron being out potentially at the same time of the game especially in that first quarter stint Royce Young talked about this a bunch and if you've read about Russell Westbrook at all over the course of his career, he is a massive creature of habit. He is now he may not be Ray Allen level OCD, but he is up there in terms of a player with routine. He's up there. Right. You you know, who else is like that is LeBron James. Yeah. Continue with the point, though. But this is super important. And why I bring it up is like that would be a big change for them. And so if Russ is used to that, guess what? I'm pretty sure that's going to happen still. And Look at the Lakers lineup and look at the or look at the Lakers personnel, look at their skill sets and where on the team is the most overlap. Right. You just mentioned, hey, A.D. had to play power forward because he was like the only one of those left. And it's why earlier in the season or in the offseason when you said, hey, what what is this? team missing and I said kind of a pure power forward type now I don't necessarily think they need yeah. that per se right but they definitely don't have another one of those guys on the they're, roster they're all in Brooklyn. and so 
Yes, they, <laughs> yes. they are. They are. And, and so where there is replication or duplicative skill sets is in ball handlers and sort of yeah. initiators and shot creators. And so if there now I would if it were me, I'd love to not find any minutes in the game where Russ and LeBron, at least one of them isn't on the like is on the floor, right? Like I want one of those guys in the game almost all of the time. That said, if you can steal anywhere from four to six minutes a game where one of those where you get more reps for like a non THT grouping, because both of those guys want the ball too, right? They do. And there is a there's a diminishing returns when you put too many ball handlers on the court together and none of their strengths are sort of elite shooting, right? Like it's one thing to say like, okay, well, I'm going to play Dame and Steph Curry and CJ McCollum and I want all of those guys on the court at the same time. You can kind of do that because they're all such good shooters, Right. Yeah. The ball could if you're off of the ball as a shooter, like it's an off ball skill, essentially, is that Dame can be a threat at the same time that CJ can be a threat at the same time that Lillard can be a threat. The ball handlers are different. You have to actually have the ball to be that threat. Yeah. And and so finding especially if you want to develop a THT or you want to try to get the most out of a Kendrick Nunn and, and Nunn, Mike, his comments and some of his media availability earlier in the week was like, you know, they uh, a, a lot of this idea of like, what's your role going to be? And none was basically like, look, they told me to come in here and play my game to be myself. And I think that that's an easy way for a coach or for a general manager even to sort of grease the wheels in order to get a guy to sign. But I also think it speaks to this I, this bigger idea that the Lakers have always had under Rob Polinka and Frank Vogel, which is we want to play a guy to their strengths and where they're comfortable because we think that that's how you're going to optimize them most. And so telling so if none is saying they want me to play my game well guess what that means he's gonna get the ball a fair amount and that's right and that means like it's probably good to try to steal some minutes without lebron or russ on the floor and let none loose a little bit let tht loose a little bit and that's why i thought the pairing of them specifically or even with none and monk was interesting because it allowed those guys to flex more of their more of their tools a little bit more and not just be like, oh, I'm going to go stand in the corner or run off pin downs. I'm so thrilled to be having these conversations. Let's take a quick break. When we come back, let's talk more about that lineup. I got a lot to say. Lakers basketball is finally back. And there's no need to exhaust yourself by searching all over the internet to find Lakers tickets anymore. Because TickPick, that's T-I-C-K-P-I-C-K, is the original no-fee ticket site. And the only one you'll ever need as your go-to for all NBA tickets. TickPick got rid of all those awful service fees that other ticket sites charge, which lets them guarantee the best prices on all their NBA tickets. Don't believe it? If you can find better prices on the same seats on another ticket site, TickPick will give you 110% of the difference in purchase price. I'm excited to see this Lakers squad get out and transition this year, and there's nothing like seeing a great fast-breaking team in person. Visit TickPick.com slash LFR today and use promo code LFR to save $10 on your first order of Lakers tickets. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. 
Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. So I'm right there with you, D, on the idea of putting the, the ball in these guys' hands. And, and that comment that you made about what Nunn said, that they told me to come in here and play my game, is something that's been echoed by several players, right? There's, that's Even with Russell Westbrook, there's this idea that he's not a good fit. And they, we've just said, we want to let Russ be Russ. People have said that, you know, multiple people have said that. So let's, let's take that at, 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 their, at their word. How would you play basketball to be able to do that? This is why I'm so adamant about the five out switch is that we do have a lot of ball handlers. We do have a lot of guys who can get their own. And so the way that you leverage that skill set in the way that's closest to that Dame and CJ and Steph type of comparison is by spreading the floor in that five out so that when that the initiation of the play is always like if you've got five guys that can do that on the floor, somebody and probably at least two players on the defense is not going to be able to keep that guy in front of them somewhere. There's going to be a weak defender. And if everybody can do that, you give the ball to the guy that has the best matchup advantage. And from there, the defense gets broken down. You're playing drive and kick basketball out of all of this is essential out of a five out type of basketball. But that particular lineup that we started, which I do think is Something to explore. The thing that stood out to me on the rewatches, Mike, is none of those guys are really good passers. So THT was killing me with his drive. I thought he was really good on defense, but offensively, he overpenetrated. He, you know, got a shot blocked a few times. There was one play at the end of the first half where he drove and it was it wasn't a pick and roll, it was just one-on-one. Wayne Ellington's man steps over to help on him. Ellington's strong side and Ellington's relocating to it like if you get Wayne Ellington's man to help off of him, you have won the play. Make that simple kick out, one pass away, strong side, and THG tried to tried, tried to put it up through that, right? And so missing those types of reads, that's something that none isn't a particularly high-end passer to. And so in this whole overarching idea of like the AD and DeAndre Jordan lineups together, I think you need guys that can pass next to them. I do think Vogel wants to play that type of AD at the four, two big lineups, but I think it's really important that those come in lineups where guys can pass. We don't have much of that on this team outside of LeBron and Russell Westbrook. So I want to call on a point that Darius likes to make about how show me if you're different from what I think you are, and then I'll believe it. Because if you, uh-huh. my thought watching this game was basically, yeah, okay, yep, 
Bazemore is better. Like what we thought from before. I watched Bazemore play last year. He's better on defense than Ellington. Yep. Ellington's going to be able to better get off his shot in certain places. Yep. Kendrick Nunn likes to take his guy off the dribble, um, get into the paint and create usually for himself. Sometimes he can dump the ball off, but he's not a high level passer. Yes. THT at his root. It just, he's just his brain is programmed a certain way. And the thing of yeah. now, there are things that we did see though, like Pete, you mentioned the defense. That's what they've been emphasizing with THT. And that is super important, as is the spot up shooting. But that to me is just important for us when we're thinking about it. We have tape on all these guys for the most part. So let's trust that. The same thing that has to be said about Russ, where I'm counting on Russ being different is that now is the slotting element. And that is the thing that, that we can now push onto this conversation that you just had, Pete, right there about none, about THT. So what I'm trying to, to now figure out as this moves forward, it's more still on the defensive side of the court. And some of the blow-bys that we saw against Brooklyn's really third unit at times, and, and by the way, like, I have Brooklyn thoughts too um, about where these teams could eventually meet. But that to me is where like Frank Vogel – He's I know, Pete, that he's thinking about a lot of what you're thinking about with spacing and with offense. And but it's still going to be like, which of these guys, Monk, Nunn, Ellington, is he going to feel like he can trust to some degree on defense? And and that's to me because all of them have some pretty elite offensive characteristics that you can deploy in different ways. And I just I want to know which one of these guys is getting the scheme the quickest, which one's making the fewest mistakes. And that's where I'm going to defer you mentioned the, the rewatches that you did and Darius, I know you watched pretty closely. That's what I'm curious to see as the preseason goes on is the, how these guys hold up. Cause I, I think that how they play defensively may end up being a little bit more important even than the versatility on offense. But um, maybe that's me listening to Vogel talk every day too much. No, well, you, as we should, as we should No, defense is always going to be important. And I thought that there were a handful of players who looked good defensively if not if not quite impressive I was impressed by AD defensively um I was actually impressed by Bazemore defensively as well our perimeter defense was really good that was it was one of those things where at the beginning of camp and preseason like you're probably good at the things that you've worked on and that was yeah. the thing that stood out to and me just, our Darius, perimeter, to, to, perimeter set, to set you up on this though so what Vogel said was that the effort in the uh it was yes. amazing uh, defensively throughout camp now breakdowns yes they don't all know what they're doing yet, but the but you definitely saw that, I thought, against Brooklyn, especially for a preseason game. Like, they were really trying to get to the spots defensively. Both teams, I thought, came out with a certain verve defensively that reflected an idea of coaches who are confident that their offense is going to be fine, and so let's work on defense more. And yeah, and the, <laughs> idea, of, the idea of if you want to play on this team and— this is I'm talking to Steve Nash and as Frank Vogel. If you're going to play on this team, defending would probably be a good way in order to earn some minutes for a sort of middle to end of the rotation guy, which is what both teams threw out there for the entire game. Right. No KD, no, no Harden, no, well, no Kyrie. We already discussed all of the Lakers guys that, that didn't sit the guys who played in this game for both teams are the guys who are sort of just like, hey, we're probably slotted in spaces 8 through 12, right? If I'm in slot 10, 11, or 12, if I want to make it up to 7 or 8, what's the way I can do that, right? And so there's Javon Carter trying to light up the ball 
right? Like, th- yep. like, and it was like that on both sides. I thought Bazemore was super aggressive with his on-ball defense. I thought he was great at getting over the top. And there was communication stuff between him and AD and him and DeAndre where they were like pointing out ice and... And ice is a technique where we've talked about it on this pod a, like a bunch before, but here comes a ball screen on the sideline in order to let the ball handler go middle. And the defender then sits on the top side on the middle side in order to force the player away from the ball screen in order to drive baseline. And the Lakers employ ice a lot in order to funnel perimeter players in into the paint where they've got size right and so I thought Bazemore was doing a really good job of getting top side and not allowing the ball handler to to get middle like so there was a lot of defensive stuff that I thought that you pointed out Mike that that rang true there and getting back to Pete's point about um passing and offensive stuff I think that one of the ways the Lakers will likely try to mitigate that in terms of the lack of, of passing acumen, right, that, that some of their ball handlers might might have, is that they are going to play more five-out stuff. They are going to run more high pick-and-roll stuff. And it is going to be more driving kick stuff rather than read-based stuff. But even there, they, they miss reads there, too. Yes, like we they came, did. We came, out did. Of a, we came out of a timeout. On that play, it's funny, that play ended with Talon's big dunk at, uh, at the end of it. But the beginning of that play was a, a mistake by him where we ended up clearing out a side for uh, a ball screen with THT and AD. And they blitzed it. And that's normally what Brooklyn would do. They blitzed the ball screen and AD was wide open, but Talon didn't read the blitz. And so he like picked up his dribble and, you know, because when they blitz, they jump to take that away. If Talon sees that, he's, that's a dunk for AD. It's just a, a dump off pass to, but we end up driving and kicking, right? And the ball works its way back to THT and he, he drives for the dunk. But that, that's kind of what I mean though, is that THT in particular misses those reads. I think that, I guess, I, maybe I should maybe I should explain kind of the underlying thing that's, I think that AD and DeAndre Jordan are going to play together, or I would prefer it to be AD and Dwight. I'll get into reasons why at a different time. Me and too. so, <laughs> so that said, uh, if, if that's going to happen, that is our weakest point, I think, in our rotation. And I'm trying to figure out what do we need around that for that to work. I I was so taken by Wayne Ellington. Actually, let me get to your point, uh, Mike, about who's going to play defense in the first place. Is for as exciting as Monk's shooting was or as what I'm about to talk about with Wayne Ellington's ability to come off of screens, like there's there's some of that where we're going to have to leave every stone unturned on the defensive end to see if we can figure out ways to hide them to account for them. Pete, just say it. They were the two worst perimeter defenders the Lakers played last night in terms of potential regular rotation guys like everyone else looked ahead of them defensively and that's not a slight on them per se it's just reflective of what their abilities are I think within the context of this team that's right they're also our two knockdown shooters yeah right and so if they can't defend Mike yeah Pete give me your so can you give me just 30 seconds on Monk defense specifically from from the from the film? And then I want to tell you kind of what I saw in the building um, on him, just like being there, because you always talk about the difference in seeing somebody uh, physically there. So but I, I first want to see just what you thought on, on of his defense. 
So on the positive side, he got his hands on a couple of balls. He, uh, you know, showed some quick hands. Nunn did too. I think Nunn is a tier above Ellington and Monk as a defender, but uh, he's just so small. We gave up a ton of offensive rebounds in part because we didn't have any fours uh, in the game. And so like THT is playing the four and he's not a great rebounder, but like Monk got killed. What was it? I think his name's Edwards on, on Brooklyn. Like Monk got killed on a few uh, offensive boards. Kessler, Kessler Edwards. Edwards. There yes. you go. Ke- that was Kessler Edwards. Just... Monk's small, like, and he's such a wonderful offensive weapon, but he's just really small defensively where I just don't know what you can do with him. Like if you can get him to chase, but what did you see in person? I'm hoping it was more no, optimistic. It's funny because a lot of times, right in person, the fit, it's, it's still bad. It's still pretty obvious. It's still basketball. It's, it's his size. He is smaller in person than you think about him because in part of his shot profile and just how smooth he is and thinking of him as this kind of like shooting wing he really sizes more between a one and a two you know like he's a, as yeah. a and so and we've mentioned that a little bit but just in person that does stand out so on offense though because he's so smooth because he's been a like a fluid smooth scorer since he was a little kid like he is just a natural bucket getter so that's something that's in his game. So size doesn't affect him that much on the the offensive side of the court. But it just gets back to defense. And now that like so now that he had this, everybody's watching the first preseason game and Monk's the guy that pops first. So there's a little bit of danger there for me. And then all of a sudden start Malik Monk, you know, like, didn't you see him? Didn't you see him scoring? Whereas really Bazemore is doing kind of the things that you need uh, as a complimentary oh, yeah. piece better. In a lot of ways. And, and Monk can be a better uh, – and shout out to Riggs, by the way, coming into the, the room here. So that's the thing that I, I just think it's important to emphasize that, like, Monk, I, I do see a, a role for him. I do see – there's a lot of excitement. AD even mentioned it. But we have to kind of – we have to think about the, what you lose defensively if he were going to be in that starting spot compared to what uh, Bazemore, for example, is going to give you. And I think that that can be significant based on what the rest of the roster is. I do too. I, if, I think it's – my guess is that it'll end up being Bazemore and Ariza at the other two starting sport spots next to the big three. Uh, but yeah, that's that Monk's a bench scorer, D. Like Monk's a guy who can, I think he'd be great alongside LeBron. Yeah. But you, in terms you got of a six starting man, six man type scoring type guy, like that is, that is, I think, yeah, where he can, he can have a long NBA career coming in in, in the, as the Jordan Clarkson, Lou Will, kind of Jamal Will. Crawford, <laughs> kind of like bucket getter off the bench. But let me get you back on track here about. You were going to make some points about Ellington and also about like defense, right? And, and so I, th- I think the point you were going to skew more offensively Thank around Ellington, right? But if you want to talk a little bit more defense, I think we can. But those two guys, I think they struggled some defensively, but offensively, I thought both showed their utility. But I'd be very interested to hear your thoughts about them. Yeah. So all of this ties together. So, um, I think, you know, Frank Vogel likes rim protection. I think AD is going to play some at the four. LeBron and Russell Westbrook historically go out of the game at the first dead ball after the six minute mark. So if whether it's AD and Dwight at the four and five or AD and DeAndre Jordan, I think that's where we're going to see those two big lineups is because Vogel has in the past liked to start the second quarter and fourth quarter with LeBron led units and with Dwight. I, at least that's what he did in the 2020 season. I would imagine that Dwight is penciled in to start the second quarter. So how many minutes can Dwight give you will, you know, impact whether or not Jordan plays that said. So if 
AD and Dwight, or I'm sorry, if AD and Dwight or AD and DeAndre Jordan are on the on the floor at the same time, you have less ideal sp- spacing offensively. If LeBron and Russell Westbrook are on the bench during that time, where you have less than ideal spacing, you have less playmaking and shot creation. We saw kind of a flicker of that first preseason game, all the qualifiers, right? But we only scored eight points, I think, in the first eight minutes of that game when we actually had a legitimate, this lineup might play lineup on the floor. And we saw part of like why it would be difficult to score with that group without that playmaking of LeBron and Russ. And so the question becomes, if a lineup like that is going to play, where can you get gravity from? That's where Wayne Ellington enters the picture. I know that he didn't shoot as well and he missed some shots, but this, the types of threes that he makes, this dude has gravity, man. People chase him. We had, we ran two plays in a row where like I was looking for early early offense actions and the new things that Vogel was talking about we'd be doing. And one of them is just quick pin screen for Ellington coming down the court, right? Ball's in Rondo's hands on the left side. Ellington's running up the right side. AD's running up the middle. Ellington cuts right toward the ball as AD sets a little brush screen for him and it's going up. He's coming around all of these actions where people have to chase him, D. People have to account for him. And so to me, it's a way to counter the spacing of or the ne- the negative spacing of an AD Jordan AD Howard lineup while still providing gravity elsewhere in the absence of LeBron and AD cuz the the whole point is like you got to create the advantage in the first place and without some other action or one of the playmakers on the floor you can't really do that that said like when Ellington was getting cooked by Cam Thomas man that that kid's impressive as a scorer by the way but so that's why one of the big storylines for me is like, can we find a way to keep Ellington on the floor defensively in certain lines? Because I think he's going to be an important player. I thought Ellington's defense was subpar. And <laughs> if we're talking about this is something we've been working on, speaking from the Lakers perspective, we've been working on defense. And I think it's clear that that's the case. Ellington showed his limitations on that side of the floor. He also showed, just like you said, Pete, the, I don't know if Ellington's going to shoot a high percentage on threes. Like, we'll see, right? As Mike always says, when you're a volume three-point shooter, if you make 10 or 15 more threes over the course of an 82-game season, that could raise your shooting, especially as a bench guy, that could raise your shooting percentage two, three percentage points, right? And the difference between being league average and 40%. And... Like, but the types of shots that Ellington takes tells me he's a shooter, shooter, right? Like, man, right, yes, right. He may not make shots like a shooter, shooter. We'll see. We'll you see. You have about to that. guard him. You have to account for him. You though. better. He, he will. Damn he will. Well he's be been, sure. Yeah, he, a lot of people have been talking about it in practice. Like he's, yeah, he's he's shooting the ball. He'll be fine. Look, I said the Lakers will probably play less through their big man at the top of the key, but. They did have some sets designed to play through their big men at the top of the key. And those sets were dictated for shooters. They ran those actions for shooters, particularly Ellington. So they ran a little, it was a nice play design. They ran a dribble handoff into like a weave action with their guards, right? And then after that, after the handoff from the big man to the guard, AD went and set another screen 
for Ellington to loop around. And on the first time they ran that play, Ellington got off a shot, but he got fouled. Got fouled. Mm-hmm. On a three. And I was just like, oh, that's that's nifty. So just to mention that, A, like he opens the playbook for the coaches, but this is, I also think, yeah. where LeBron and Russ are so key because those are the guys that know how and when and at what angle and where to deliver that pass. Well, yes. Also, too, it's not a coincidence to me that they ran some of those sets when Rondo was in the game. Yep. Right. Because 100%. Rondo was a decision maker within the context of let's get to this. Right. And then they ran Rondo also too. this is where just a sidebar on Rondo. He threw a couple of passes yesterday where probably no other player on the roster besides Russ and LeBron throws that pass. And last season, no one besides LeBron threw that pass. Like they ran a counter to that same play that I was talking about. And like Rondo tried to throw a lob to AD and like the lob wasn't really there, but he threw it anyway because AD had an open corner. Like the corner was completely empty. So it was like throwing a fade pass to a wide receiver to like the corner, right? Where it's just like either my guy catches it or basically his guy is going to catch it right because it's basketball and 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 not football but there's a feel and sense there of a good passer that's just like oh man rondo could be frustrating as hell in a variety of ways but that's an area where i really love him it's just like just throw the ball make like make the pass pass your guy open get him the ball because he's your finisher and so In any event, we were talking about Ellington and shooting. The types of shots that he took, I thought, were just like, oh, my goodness. And the quick release, the effortlessness that it's actually a lot of effort to get into his shooting motion. He's so good technically, man. But he's so efficient. He was so good at like planning that inside foot and pivoting and and getting into his motion. He was so good at relocating and going in one direction and hand fighting and all of the things you need to be as a shooter. I thought he was excellent at at that stuff. And again, I, I, like, I don't know what he shot from three, maybe two for seven. Right. But to Mike's point, if he makes one more, that's three for seven. And that's what, like 32% or four. Right. It's just like, like that's the difference right there. One more made three, but the nature in which he engages the defense, I think is super important and it's going to help the Lakers in a variety of ways offensively. Um, he also had a couple of nice driving kick plays that I thought were interesting and important, and he showed more utility on offense that I think that he's given credit for, but that's we'll see if that persists. But a lot of Wayne Ellington stuff. So just a little note here, and I, I don't know how important this is, but just for context, the Lakers have been going hard in practice this week. And so I was expecting to see some guys that actually didn't have much in terms of legs for a 12-30 game. I thought that DeAndre in particular, who is I've been hearing, I've been hearing about how good he's looked in practice and how kind of explosive. And and I thought that he didn't look as much like that in the game. But when we talked to him after practice one of those days, he he was like, oh, man, like 12-30 game. You know, so there's. I, I, a lot I've, of guys said that. Yeah, and I thought about that when you're talking about Ellington, like with the shot. So he was a yeah. little bit short on 
Riggs thinks so too. Um, very professional here, by the way, for me to have my baby on. And it's all good, man. It's part of the show. Uh, I, yeah, it's, it's, the it's show. Still, this is still pandemic vibes, right? Like you still can get away with a yes. baby or a dog here and there. Um, it's, you can always get away. Riggs is always welcome okay, on the show. We appreciate that. So I just, it's just a little thing to mention, right? Like whether it's guys looking short or, or some guys not running as well. Um, I do think about having four straight practices is not going to happen right in the regular season. They're almost always going to have the light film day before a game. So just, just a little thing to keep in mind. Yeah, then we got a, a Wednesday 3 p.m. game. It, we're like slowly, gradually creeping up to normal basketball, apparently. But it was fun to see them back on the court. Great to see you back on the sidelines, Mike, and all the fans in the building. Um, really looking forward to cover this year. There's so much to talk about, and we'll get to all of it uh, on the Laker Film Room Podcast. James has got it in low to McHale. McHale wants to turn his double team. Just pass out of front, broken up by Worthy. Tip to Magic. Worthy dies on his belly. Magic scores. A lot of Laker fans okay, sticking so around for this. You're seeing something that's very rare indeed. A Laker to get MVP chance right, in, Boston. in Boston. Of all places. Are you kidding me? Kobe. Hard to believe. Are you kidding me? Unreal. Are you kidding me? Lakers looking to push. Bryant spinning in the lane. Back for Gasol. Pretty pass. And it's back to a three-point game. Kobe Bryant picked up by Bell. There's the move. Two, two one. Miss it. Unbelievable. It's over. Shot clock now to five. Bryant. Yes. And that was a little tough to Albert Gentry. That insult to injury, Kobe. I mean, what a shot. I mean, you can't defend that. Are you kidding me? 2.1 seconds remaining. Denver a foul to give. Jokic. Trying to disrupt Rondo, he puts it in. Here's Davis, 4-3 in the win. Oh, it's good! Anthony Davis has won it for the Lakers! James again. Oh, he hits another one. LeBron James putting together a closing quarter against the Nuggets. This historic 2020 NBA championship belongs to the Los Angeles Lakers. The Lakers conquer the bubble, and banner number 17 will soon hang in the rafters.